Yeah, so you say something. You, so you teach um, psychology in um, in New York? Yeah, I teach um, psych, psychology courses and I teach a death, dying, and bereavement course. Oh wow! At Utica College, so I teach. I've been teaching at Utica College for about 19 years. Okay. I've been teach, teaching death and dying for about off and on for 10 years. Yeah. And obviously, you know, my own loss history and my own mm. experience with loss, and particularly after my daughter passed, that that got me to to take more of an interest in the field of thanatology, the field of death and dying. Um, yeah. And I mean, I mean, depending on where you want to go with this, I mean, I've 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 danced with death since I've been five years old. So I've lost oh, really? both of my parents, grandparents. Oh, really? Oh, I've, yeah, I've, I'm 66 years old, Jermaine, and I probably, I've been experiencing the world of grief since I've been five. So for 61 years, that's, that's been a part of my life and um, on a variety of different levels. So, you know, and it's, it's like, you're right. Every loss is unique. Um, Every grief journey is circular is that Mm. we learn, I think, to manage the grief, but it never truly ever goes away because, we keep the people that we love at our hearts and depending on what's going on at any particular time in our lives. Um, we experience the pain of grief as if it was fresh. It doesn't matter if it was a year, five yeah. years, 10 years, 20 years. It's, it's part of the, the existence that I've, ex- I've accepted that I'm going to lead. And it's yeah. all got something to teach me at this point, but um, the loss that really wrecked my world and got me to, reevaluate everything that I stood for was my daughter's death. So, and that's gotta be Ben coming in. Yeah, that's, uh, should be. Yeah. Like that's, I'm um, like, I'm, um, I don't even know where to start, but just, but like, you're like, yeah. I know easier said than done, but I feel like that, that's a lot of, that's a lot of loss and a lot of strength at the same time because. Well, yeah. Like, no, go ahead. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't mean I to know. cut you off. Oh no, apologies. No, I was just saying it's a lot of it's a lot of strength because having to like not only continuously go for it and while still dealing with the other because it, like, it doesn't end. So like you're still dealing with one, then you deal with another one, then it's another one. It's like a, a never-ending cycle. You have to keep on like dealing with. So that must be that must be top. Hi, hey. hi there, man. Man, I'm good, man. How how is it? Good, good. We're just we're just we're just getting we're just getting acquainted. And I was telling Ben we follow each other on Clubhouse, and we I don't think we either one of I told him I said, you know, your name sounded familiar when you reached out to me. Yeah, so yeah. I went on I went on Clubhouse, I looked at my list of followers and people I follow, and he was one of them. Oh yeah, oh, I think really? I met I met you at an event. Um I think it was Core Sumo. Yeah, it was one of her events. Oh, Jermaine, yeah. you were on the uh top of the event oh was that was, was that was that was that speaking in that uh yeah so we, we i think she wanted to set up like a, a, an event that's about therapy whether or not it's um more of oh yeah yeah i remember issue. that one yeah. yeah 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 i remember that one um yeah i think i don't i mean i have, I have not used clubhouse in in months i think probably last time was I think maybe Feb, maybe March, not March, maybe pandemic. Yeah, yeah, but it was good. It was good for like me and other people who have yeah. gone through bereavement and even going to different rooms and talks about um, 
about our diet. And we've actually met we, one of our uh, former guests was actually from Fruit Clubhouse. So it was definitely, I would say, it was a good platform for that for that and different purposes. But I think now I'm not sure if it's. I mean, do you guys still use it? Mm. Once I, in a while. I, yeah, I um, I was one of the moderators for um, a grief room with um, Ann DeBute and Sherry Dunleavy. But when I started back to school, I couldn't do it anymore. So I haven't been oh, on Clubhouse okay. that much. I was on Clubhouse at least once a week. Yeah. But with the school year, I Clubhouse is probably lower on my priority list at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Just because I, 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 yeah, just because I got other categories to attend to. So. Yeah, like no, that's mm-hmm. I guess like that, and I think even with um as much as like I I can talk about grief like all day every day so but of course there's other there's other things you still need to kind of do as well so I, I get I get you have other priorities so um you know it definitely gets quite hectic if you have trying to balance everything all at yeah. once I'll tell I'll tell you guys both I, I I I will listen anytime any day to anybody's story yeah and that's those the stories inspire me the stories charge me um and I feel it's a gift when anybody shares their story with me it's the ultimate gift because they're sharing a very intimate part of their lives. I think birth, our first relationship, when we get married in our end of life chapters and our experience with loss are the most intimate things that we can experience. So when anybody shares that with me, I consider it to be the ultimate gift of trust and knowing that their grief is gonna be honored. Yeah, no, de- definitely. I think that that's that's the same uh, sentiment I have as well. I, I, I don't think I can never get uh tired of like listening to stories because as much as we have our we started to tell our own story but and other people's stories is also inspiring because i guess i said to you earlier um <clears throat> david just about like normalizing this conversation because it's, it's quite it's quite a lot to talk about it's quite heavy a heavy topic so i guess that's mm-hmm. why it's not really talked about enough but i don't know but i do feel like in the states though it is quite um I feel a lot of people do a lot more when it comes to, as in, it's quite less of a niche there. I feel in terms of like people like have, uh, you know, teachings, like courses, books. Like, I'm not saying it's not the same here, but I always feel like there's, there's people a lot more vocal about grief, like over over in the States, it's a, lot, a lot less like taboo. So, yeah. You know, I, I think, Jermaine, and I can only speak from my own experience, I think it's gotten better. I think particularly among younger individuals who have, I think, more and more openly talked about the topic, but there's a lot of individuals in Western society who are still reticent or afraid to address the topic because it's so taboo. And Mm -hmm. in in our society, the, you know, it's like the emphasis is on, you know, being productive, being functional, not to really let your emotions um take over for too long deal with being productive dealing with kind of being you know being happy um and there are still some time limited prescriptions on grief depending on who you may talk to it's gotten better but there's some people that still think you should be over your grief after six months to a year and then you move on with life um so there's still that part of the population that sees death as being taboo um but there, there's other parts, I think, particularly among our younger adults, and I think they've been forced to look at it 
because the pandemic, I think, has brought death so close to home to them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think it's also, I think it's something that they're more and more willing to engage in and talk about, not only here in the United States, but I think around the world, I think you're seeing more of a, a movement, to, you know, especially among the younger population, to really address it more head on. Um, but there's still parts, you know, parts in our society and in, in Western culture that doesn't, that will not talk about this topic, that will not bring it out into the open. And death is as much of a part of our lives as living is. Yeah, you that's know, true, that, that's true. You know, the, we all are gonna, gonna die someday. We all are gonna go and dance in another dimension. You know, and it's just a matter of why shouldn't we use the knowledge of our own death as they do in many Eastern philosophies and cultures, that the knowledge of our own death drives us to lead a, lead a purpose-driven life. Yeah. You know, and I think it took the death of my daughter for me to figure that out, that to drive me to lead a, a life that was, that I had not envisioned leading, but one that was full of purpose and meaning in honor of and with my daughter. But it took that type of a, a tragedy in my life for me to, to eventually find my purpose in life. So like, like I, I, even when I um, had a read on your website, you know, about the book and, you know, just about what it's about and where you was at in terms of what led you to write the book. And I, I think one thing that I kind of admired that I wrote was like, is trying to live life more than just being a bereaved parent. And, and I think it kind of leads me back to this idea of grief being our identity rather than it being part of our identity. So like often or not, when you, you know you are bereaved, it's almost as if that takes over your whole life, but actually it's part mm -hmm. of you. you know, it's, it doesn't define you, but I think a lot of the time, because there's no different way of, of like representing it. So people often think, oh, if they see you, if you lost someone, you're gonna be sad all the time, you're going to be miserable, but actually that's not the case. Like you can, your life has changed. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean, you know, who you are or how you live your life has changed as well. Because a lot of the time, like, grief isn't just... Grief can, comes in many forms, different experiences that we all experience. Like, you know, we're talking today, trying to show, like, we are more than just our grief, you know. Mm -hmm. And even, like, having this platform is our way of showing that we are more than just our grief, you know, talking about mm -hmm. it and trying to let other people who are listening are watching that there's more there's more to us than just what we've been through like mm -hmm. it's a it's a big part of us has, has gone but there's more to it so i think um you know i don't know how would you kind of describe is that the same feeling for you or do you feel like it's something different i i think for me and i think in the beginning of any type of loss and by the way i want to express my condolences to both of you for your losses jermaine for the for the loss of your parents and and Ben for the for the loss of your sibling and your parents, um, and it's um, you know it's 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 something that an, and sibling loss has with it its own and, and parent losing a parent has its own set of unique challenges as well too, um, but I think yeah I think that that pretty much pretty much describes it. I think we we need to be gentle with ourselves because when we experience a loss. And it's my philosophy that any loss we experience permanently cha changes the landscape of our lives. 
because the person who we've lost has, has meant something dearly to us. They've been a part of our lives for a number of years. And, you know, to, to have, not have their physical presence permanently changes the landscape and, and of our lives. And in early grief, it is more than normal to become really so deeply immersed in the pain of grief that we almost become self-absorbed. And we don't see our, we see ourselves only as our grief because that loss is so raw to us. So I, I, I and that was it for me for, for several years. Um, I lived my life as the existence of someone who was a bereaved parent. And I did it, you know, I thought I, I did it well. I, I, I did, I did workshops um, nationally about, you know, it, in um, you know, 2009, about six years after my daughter transitioned, um, I was trying to do some bereavement support with individuals who needed it. Um, I was teaching, I was trying, I was doing what I thought I needed to do at that time to get through that first phase of grief. But I know you mentioned the book earlier that you would you would, and if it's okay, I can kind of segue into that for a bit. Yeah, of would course, you, of course. Would, would, you guys, would you guys be okay with that? Yeah, okay. absolutely, absolutely. All right. I, I wrote a book recently. Uh, we published it in March, March 1st, 2021, and we and, and through KDB Publishing and Amazon. We, my co-author and me chose that date because that March 1st was the, the month and day that my daughter passed. So we chose that day to release the book. The book picks up seven years into my grief journey. And to, to, to make a very long story short, um, through a series of very serendipitous events and my own intention to state to the universe that I wanted something more, that my soul needed something more than I was getting to continue to move through my journey as a parent as a grieving parent I asked for something more and that more came in the, the presence the form of a woman by the name of the Reverend Patty Farino an interfaith minister from Long Island I ended up staying at her house for a weekend in November that permanently transformed the way I looked at life death and life after death Patty is a person that walks a very sacred path she is very intuitive. And essentially what happened is that during that weekend, my daughter chose to come through Patty to remind me of what I was missing out on in life. And from there, from that experience, I was introduced to a whole new perspective, spiritual perspective, which led to marathon conversations with, with Patty and myself that provide a framework for how psychology and spirituality can intermingle to help individuals through times of challenge. And that's, we, I had, we had talked about doing this book for a long time. I said to Pat, I said, you know, we really had to do something like this. People need to know what we, what I learned, what we learned, what you helped me see. And she resisted it for a long time because she's not a person that is about money. She's not about fame. She surely is invested as in any minister to help people find their path and help people, people find their true calling. 
and to inspire other individuals to, to uh, help others find their, their calling. Um, so she finally agreed in 2019 that we were going to write the book. This book came together in light speed. It was divinely inspired. Um, and it, you know, we, we put it together. Um, and it's, 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 for those who are interested, it's on Amazon. I know it's on Amazon in the UK, because you got to know you got Amazon there. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, we are proud of the book that we did. We've got some really great feedback. People have indicated that it's really helped shift their perspective about a lot of different things, create some awareness. Patty's work with me and helped me do healing in other areas that I didn't think was possible. And it helped me through, through the influence of, you know, through, through my daughter coming through to Patty and through Patty, helped me realize that I was more than just a parent of lost a child. One of the messages I got through my daughter was asked, you know, she said, dad, I'm, you're doing a great job honoring me, but you have two sons, you have a wife, you have your students, you have other things that you need to also, I'm always going to be here, but you need to celebrate the totality of your life. You need to honor that. Just not honor me, honor everything else that's a part of you. And I got that message. And because of that, in the ongoing work with Patty, I have been able to find peace after my daughter's passing and acceptance of the fact that the world that I live in now does not have my daughter in it, but I know physically present, but I know that I now, because of Patty's influence and through some other influential spiritual teachers, that I can share a continued bond and relationship with Janine and that she is always going to be a part of my life. Because I opened myself up to that, the whole world opened up for me um, in ways that I never thought were possible. Um, but it, it, if it all started with simple intent, I said on the, after the conference, I just looked up at the sky. Um, I was driving some of the conference presenters um, to see some of the fall colors in, in, in upstate New York. And I was, they were having an intense spiritual conversation. I just said, I want to be where they are. And all I wanted was they have an increased understanding of spirituality so I could take the next step. My, what I asked for, I got more than I bargained for. I got a whole different perspective, which proves that the power of intent is, can't be underestimated. So that is kind of a, a capsule summary of how the book came together, how Patty came into my life. And um, we... We hope that for whoever reads the book, it'll provide them some peace, a different perspective, and plant some seeds. No, we have I, love, also, I love that. We, we also have a part two that's geared to the younger generation because okay. they, also, they also tend to be misunderstood in terms, there's a lot of younger adults who come into this world with a lot of intuitive abilities that see the world multidimensional, but they're afraid to honor that because they're afraid they're going to be seen as being misunderstood or seen as having some type of an abnormal illness. And uh, so we, we talk about in the book, the, those, those children who come into this world with a high sense of knowing and that their abilities need to be honored. And my support system is individuals who are grounded in science. And I'm still firmly grounded in science. In the book, we also talk about this. So you don't have to abandon your core beliefs 
to incorporate different ones. It's always in addition to instead of. So I mean, I'm firmly grounded in science, but there's something science can't explain. And there's other things that spiritual practices can give a better context to as far as behavior, as far as understanding. So I'm a firm believer in, in integrating what works, whether it's science and whether or spiritual practices. Whatever's gonna work, whatever that person believes is gonna, is gonna work. And there's room for all beliefs. We don't have to judge a person's beliefs as being, being you know, well, well, this is bad because it doesn't fall into line with, with, with what I believe. No, I can learn from Ben, like Ben, I can learn from you. I can learn from you, Jermaine, just so you can learn from me. You may see the grief path differently, but who's to say that doesn't, I can't learn from that, that I can't incorporate what I think, hey, this may work for me, or you can't incorporate what you think may work for me. We don't have to buy all of it, mm. or we don't have to buy into all of it, but man, we don't, we don't have to challenge it either. You know, we can just witness it and we can say, okay, what works? Maybe none of it works, but the bottom line is we find our own truth without attacking each other for how we choose to agree. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's that's powerful what you said, um, and it seems like that book was a catalyst for your change and a moment where you realized actually I'm not living in my true form in a sense where you had that moment of your daughter kind of coming to you and saying like, Yes, you're you're doing a fantastic job honoring me, but I know there's I know there's more of you that you that you can give not only to to her but to the world and, and being yourself and and I think that's what's important. Um, you know, it's like with grief, like we can it's it's very consuming and mm-hmm. a lot of the time, you know, you yes, I think you know we honor our 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 loved ones who we lost in many different ways, you know, um, and like you said, there's not like one way to kind of do things or one set of beliefs that everything we can, we can sort of take what we want from different things and different people you know so I think that's that's a definitely good point you raised that um you know like and just for I know we kind of know but just for people who who do want to know more about the book what's the um name of the book name of the book is when the psychology professor met the minister um it is available on Amazon and obviously um anywhere Amazon is I know UK has an Amazon I go on Amazon, I think it's .com or UK. I, I don't know what the link is, but they can go on the UK link and just Google when the psychology professor met the minister and find it. Um, if they want to find out more about Patty and, and me and our work and look at, um, they can go to psychologyprofessorandminister.com. That's our dedicated website to the book. Uh, we also have a blog, The Story Continues, where we've had um, individuals who have come forward to write their thoughts about uh, about the book and about um, you know what revelations that that occurred and uh, for them and also the you know the contact that they had with Pat you know with with, with Reverend Patty and how that that changed their lives as well too and there's you know website reviews and also if they go to Amazon they'll they can take we've got really really some really nice reviews about the book. And it's available on Kindle format and paperback, whatever, you know, whatever uh, format is doable. So, um, so yeah, they can just go on Amazon. Um, and our website, we also have an about the book section. And there's also a link, um, obviously, the, the Amazon US, we got the link to that. But, you know, obviously, the UK, I know, has their own link for Amazon. So 
anybody in the UK can just go to Amazon and purchase it. But we've had one person from the UK purchase it already. Early oh, on. Nice. I mean, I'll I'll make sure I put all the good all the all the relevant links. So not to worry. I'll make sure all, right. the, all the links are there. Um, you know, and I appreciate that. I have a, um, a question for both of you. Um, would you say um, grief has given you a different perspective in life? So, what I mean by that is, um, you learn to love your family and friends more, and uh, obviously, also, um, obviously, everyone is going through their own grief in a different way. And um, how do you? see that in your own perspective you know, and that's okay. for both of you talks okay Jermaine I'll, I'll kick it I'll, I'll defer to you then I'll go how's that yeah of course of course um yeah I think for me it's definitely given me different perspective like I think one big thing for me is definitely more appreciation for um the people around me and just my own life as well because you understand gets it you learn that like literally Tomorrow is not promised, as 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 the cliche saying goes. Literally, it, it's not. And rather than trying to control or kind of, as I call it, wait around until your time comes, I think it's about what you're doing with your time. So more, it's more of that the idea of quality over quantity. So because we we know that the 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 quantity is out of our control, meaning the the time we have is out of control. But the the quality of life we decide to live that's all on us and you know and the beauty about that is that we can always there's always a there's always time for a first start so whether it's tomorrow I say to myself I'm gonna live with more intention or live with more purpose I can do that for however long I see fit and if I want to feel okay this is not working I want to live life in this way because it's better than what I was doing before then I can do that so I think there's beauty in being able to kind of uh, restart yourself and a lot of the time that that kind of moment of realization maybe for some people it doesn't come from you know loss it comes from maybe just a moment of, of frustration where they are in life but unfortunately for me my that moment of, of restarting and appreciating has come from loss but I wouldn't say that that's the only way we can appreciate um the life we have by losing someone but that's just my story so that's that's what I would say is definitely more um appreciation you know that's great Good. Well, I, I guess I guess it's my turn. So, so I'll, I'll, when Janine passed, I was forty-seven years old, and I had been previously I had been employed at the time as a as a therapist in an addiction treatment center. I had gotten my master's degree in social work a week before she was officially diagnosed with cancer, and. I can tell you that after she passed, all the training, all the education that I had didn't even prepare me for the path that I was, I was going to be walking. Um, there wasn't any parenting books that I read that prepared me to lose a child. Because a, a parent's worst, worst nightmare is that they have, they, they have to bury one of their children while, they're, while the parent, you know, they have to bury one of their children, their, their children predeceased them. So needless to say, that every, my priorities, my values, my assumptions about how I thought the world should operate, did operate, everything was up for discussion. In the, the years following, this is another thing, reason why grief is so challenging, in that you can't put a time limit on it, 
because it's not only how it affects us physically and emotionally, it's also in terms of the work that we have to do to kind of to kind of figure out what type of a world that we want to now live in. Okay. And doing the work involves taking a look at all of those assumptions that were based on the world that you lived in prior to your loved ones passing. So I had to say, okay, which beliefs stay, which beliefs go, which beliefs get modified, which beliefs get added. And one of the things that for me is that I think, I, I think like with, with, uh, with Jermaine, with you, Jermaine, I learned to appreciate every day. This, every morning now I get up with my cat who's now 14 years old and I look, I say, Zoe, I said, you know, we got to thank, we got to thank God or, you know, the universe or creator, whoever you believe in as a higher power. Um, and I say, you know, he, God gave us another one today and he let us wake up. Yes, he gave us another one yes, yesterday and he let us wake up again today. So I'm grateful for every day that I have on earth because nothing's a given. The second thing is the things that used to really bother me are just minor annoyances now. Um, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, somebody gets upset because they get a flat tire. Okay, so you get the tire fixed. There's certain things that can't be fixed and physical death can't be fixed. There's no, there's no, there's no remedy for that. The person is no longer physically a part of our universe. Also, I valued relationships more than, than money. Not that I valued money, but you know, I looked at career success. I looked at, um, you know, getting my degree. I had specific goals after my degree. None of that mattered. Well, what it was, the quality of relationships, how I treated people. Could I treat them with love and with kindness? And that was now my mantra was not so much in terms of what I was going to get from the world as far as material things, but what I could give back in the form of compassion, in the form of love, in the form of respect that you know, was, a, was a product of my own struggles. And so, so my priorities now have totally changed. I view abundance differently. I have enough. And that's what, how I, I, I view, view abundances as having abundance of relationships, being able to pay the bills, being respected and loved by people I care about, and also being able to do the same. And just try to make the world, and I know it's going to sound kind of cliche, but just to make the world a better place for that, for the time that I'm here. Even if it's just holding a door open for somebody, you know, just that little thing. And what I've noticed that you hold a, hold a door open for somebody, somebody's behind me, they'll hold that door open for the next person. So it's a nice trickle effect. So even if I can do those little things as a result of the challenges for, of the pain of my own losses, that, that's how I measure success now. It's, it's, it's much, much different for me. Everyone made good key points. And then obviously I know with me, I'll probably answer as well. So I think grief has changed my whole um, perspective in life with relationships and family and just being there to and being there to support people as much as I can because you just never know when it's gonna be your last day. So I think you just gotta make the most of the relationships that you have with um, other people and just treating them well with respect and love and um 
And I think one thing I also wanted to say with um, grief and uh, Ghanaian culture, I think Ghanaians see um, grief as a celebration thing. And I, don't, and I think with Jermaine, with um, Nigerian culture as well, it's kind of similar. So I think when an older um, adult gets to 80, they see it as um, a celebration of life, of um, what they stood for and what they done to make the world a better place. And I think some people might see it as weird or that there's something wrong with that culture, but obviously that's how Ghanaians and Nigerians just deal with grief and um, just going to anniversaries and um, celebrating um, life. And yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, even, even in the States too, we are, we look at, we talk about celebration of lives. We, how do we remember that individual? What mark did they leave on the world? Um, and we try to share those type of memories that will allow us to keep the essence of that person close to us at all times. So, yeah, I think we, we've also tried to look at that. I think, I think we've, we've crossed over to that point where we now don't talk about funerals. We talk about celebrations of life. And that's how we we do that now. And I think, I think you know, I, I think that that's a great way to look at it because you know the other part, depending on our religious beliefs, is has that person truly died, or have they is their their physical body died, and have they gone on to another level of existence? Are they living? If you believe in an afterlife, are they still living? Can their energy still communicate with us? So, I think celebration of life, I think, is a great way to look at it. Um, is a great way to frame that um, because we still keep to get through grief for me is keeping that person who they were, who they are inside of us, inside of our hearts. And that keeps them alive. It keeps the stories about them alive and it keeps them alive in our hearts and everybody else's. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I feel like given from, everyone, from all your responses, you know, what's beautiful to, to listen to is that you know, we're at this place where we're thankful as opposed to being bitter and, you know, not realizing the value of our own lives as well. Because the thing is, it's hard to kind of value like something, well, value your value life when you're, you're dealing with loss because it's so consuming that you're not even thinking about, well, what we've got to be grateful for. And mm -hmm. we discussed this in, in previous episodes um, where often sometimes when we're going through grief, we often hear people saying, oh, um, you know, they're in a better place or don't worry, you know, just focus on this. And and, and I feel like with those things, they're not, they're, they're not the wrong thing. They're not the wrong thing to say, but it's all about timing. And mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, you just like certain things are just more, should not be said because it's more of a thing. It's, it's quite dismissive at a, at a time where you've just, you're just in the, in the thick of loss. You've just lost someone. So, saying to someone oh don't worry they're in a better place they're in heaven or whatever you know whatever belief you might have is kind of dismissive because you're not really acknowledging those feelings now and sometimes what people need to do is just sit with those who are in that grief as opposed to trying to yep. dismiss it or deflect from it you know and from what you said about your book and and get to having that realization that you know your daughter you know she is now making you understand and appreciate life a bit more but in the midst of, of your grief, when I say in the midst of it, I mean more so like when you 
you know, in that kind of early years of dealing with grief, what was kind of, what were some of the challenges you faced and how did you overcome them? Well, I'll tell you, um, the road to acceptance was a gradual one. The road of acceptance that the life that I am leading now is the life that I'm going to lead without the physical presence of my daughter. The challenges, I think one that was related to specifically her illness. With anybody who loses a loved one to, to a terminal illness, whether it's cancer, or whether it's any other type of, of, of terminal illness, there's the grief before the grief. I grieve the loss of my daughter's physicality, her physical presence, her, emo her, her emotional presence, everything. Cancer wasted away everything with her. And so I grieved the loss of the daughter that I knew. And I grieved this before her actual physical death. And then there was the moment of her death, which the challenge for me was that I was at that time the last person to see her alive. I got my sister-in-law woke me up at 12:30 in the morning, um, you know, USA time. Um, and woke me up and said, you better get out here because a few days before Janina was in the active phase of dying and we had hospice services for her as well. She was in the active phase of dying where her breathing was becoming more labored. The respiration was becoming more slowed. And so I got out there, I held her hand um, and I had given her, told her earlier when I knew she was gonna, she was gonna pass that it was okay for her to let go. You know that she could she could she could let go and just you know not have to hang on and then i witnessed her taking her last breaths and i remember and this gets into about a perspective shift so i'm jumping from the moment of her death to about nine years later so now i'm going to jump back but with grief time is pretty much relative anyway so it's all about phases and connections and i told patty that and you know, this is in addition to the immeasurable help and guidance she had already given me. I said, I was the last person to see her alive. And she said to me, she goes, what if you look at yourself as the first person to introduce her into her new existence of eternal life? And I had be believed in an afterlife. And I had said, you know, looking at it from that perspective, let me work with that. And I did, and every time I come up to March 1st or then think about the day before she passed, I think about her moment of death now as being one of true transition that I was there to witness, as opposed to I was the last one to see her alive. And it was just that little shift, Ben and Germain in perspective, that helped me find peace with her moment of passing. But early on, now getting back to that, getting back to the challenges in early grief, but I think in the beginning, and one of the things that I struggled with was that as her father, I felt that it was my job to protect her. I beat myself up because, and, and I was angry because I didn't notice the signs of her cancer sooner. I was angry because I couldn't convince her to do a, a, one more clinical trial. I was angry because I couldn't protect my daughter from a disease, from a, from a disease that was incurable. Her type of cancer, there was no cure for it. She was terminal at the time of diagnosis. Um, and she died after a 10-month battle, after six aggressive rounds of chemotherapy that only put it in 80% remission. Um, 
And so I, I beat myself up. I was angry. I was angry. I was angry at myself. I was angry at the world. I was angry at God. I was angry at everybody because I could not do what I thought I was supposed to do. I thought I had one God-given responsibility and I was to protect her from her. And I didn't do that. In further conversations with Patty, I realized that it wasn't my job to protect her from her. It was my job to allow her to make adult decisions. And that it was including to live life on her terms as she did because she was such a free spirit and to choose how she did her end of life chapter on her terms. I wasn't going to have any control over that. I had to just provide the room for her to make those decisions. I, I went to, and there was another challenge for me is that you know, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've encountered other guests who have said this, but you know, I just kind of got sick of walking the path of somebody who was a brief parent. I got tired of it. Every day was, particularly the second year, which for me and for many people is worse than the first year because that's when kind of reality sets in. Because um, the first year is pretty surreal. You know, there's some shock, and there's some thinking that oh, maybe this is all a dream. But when the second year hits, it's like reality hits. And it intensifies the pain and the emptiness even more. I just said, the heck with this. I was going to a good a pre-parent support group that had really helped me, but I was sick of doing it. I wanted my life back the way it was. So I said, I'm not going to any more meetings. I don't want to be a pre-parent anymore. I, don't, I want my life back. So I stopped going. I cut myself off from the support that was the most meaningful. And then I turned out to be pretty miserable. I immersed myself in work. But it wasn't enough because I realized at that moment that I needed that group. I needed to, in some strange way, for lack of a better way to put this, embrace the fact that I had been a parent that lost a child. And I had to embracing it meant to avail myself of any of the support and resources that I needed. So I, I remember talking individually to, to a woman by the name of Sister Rose Troy, who was a Catholic nun and who was uh, the facilitator for our bereaved parent support group here in my hometown. And she, um, you know, the, and I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to tell her that I'm angry with God? You know, because she's a, she's a nun. She's like, but, but, you know, she, she was, she looked at everything, you know, she was very tolerant of everybody's anger. So I wanted to talk to her. I said, look, I haven't been coming to groups. And I said, right now, I said, I'm, I'm at a loss. And I said, I'm angry at God because he took my child away from me. And I couldn't save her. And I start crying. And she looked at me and she said, this was two years into my grief, two and a half years. She goes, what if God was just as angry as you? What if he was just as upset as you that your, your daughter died? And then I had to look at it. And I started thinking, I said, well, you know, I think God has been trying to give me signs of her presence. Although at that time I was still dealing with where, I, where signs fit in in my old grief journey. Because I acknowledge the fact that, yeah, I think she's, she's attempting to communicate with me. But it, the momentary comfort it provided me didn't compensate for the pain I felt. Because the, the sign was from, from her was, yeah, it's an indication that she was here. You know, she was here with me, let's say spiritually or in a different form, but she wasn't here physically. So that's anytime I thought I got a sign, it also reminded me of what I had lost. 
Now, when I get science from her and I do, it reminds me of what I have. And that's another way that my perspective shifted. But early on, those challenges with, with anger, with guilt, with uh, beating, you know, beating myself up, with trying to figure out, again, how am I going to do this? Um, Neil Peart, who was the late drummer, uh, the late drummer for the band Rush, and just a brilliant musician and a writer himself, had his own struggles with challenge and uh, with, with challenging. His wife and daughter, there's no, his, his wife and daughter died within a 10 month period of time in 1997, 1999. I don't know if you guys heard the story. Um, and um, he wrote a book called Ghostwriter Travels on the Healing Road, where he talks about his journey. And one of the things, and this is where I got this from him, he, he said, I had to determine, he went, he, the way he, he got through his losses was he jumped on his motorcycle, took a 55,000 road trip, mile road trip, along the United States, Mexico, and Canada. He communed with nature, he went within, and he, he was finally able to get through it, resume his career with Rush until he retired. And he, he died January 7th in 2020, um, of a, a, a brain cancer after a three and a half year battle with, with that. But he talked about, he goes, I rode my motorcycle because I wanted to figure out the type of person I wanted to be and the kind of world I wanted to live in. So the challenges for that early phase in grief was the same challenges that I think Neil Peart had. It was what kind of a person am I going to be and what kind of a world that I want to live in? And I struggled with that because I wanted the world that I had before my daughter died. And I kept wanting to go back there because that's where everything hadn't changed. That's where everything had made sense to me. And trying to make sense out of everything that had happened, trying to find um, a different way to relate to a world, that, that was my biggest challenge in early grief. So my phases and acceptance came in steps. I look at the two and a half year period. I look at the seven year period um, where I met Patty and she was instrumental in getting me to embrace a totally different perspective that helped me find peace and all the, and all the, the healing that occurred in other areas after that, which is what our book also addresses. So I, I hope that made sense to both of you because I know I was kind of jump, jumping around, but there's a, there's a couple of different, I look at time kind of differently now. I look at, I kind of look at time through association of events. So I might go from the from the past to the present to the future, but eventually I, I kind of bring it all together. So or I try to. Yeah. No, that's 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 perfect. I think yeah. I think um, you know what you said, like trying to get that old life back, really, 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 really resonated with me because I always kind of thought like my life wouldn't be. I know my life was never going to be the same. Losing my friends, but I kind of thought I don't. I kind of want to go back to what what, I'm, what I was comfortable with, what I knew, because this new path, this new life of trying to navigate through grief, like dealing with the loss of friends, like again, I don't know what to do. Uh, what the right, what the right, what the right steps are, you know, it's kind of like being, and I've kind of used this used this analogy before. It's kind of like just being taken to the wilderness and being asked to just and being left to your own devices, defend for yourself. There's no path there's no roadmap you know and I think one thing I've realized with myself is I've always been used to comfortability like staying in that comfort zone and as much as I would like to come out of the comfort zone like, 
I didn't think it would be death that takes me out of that path. And mm-hmm. and I think maybe you guys can agree or or, or maybe you can maybe uh, share a different opinion. But I often feel like we're, as as humans, we're used to kind of having things in place, having structure, having to know what we want to do with ourselves. And I think for the first time in my in my entire life, I've, I was okay with not knowing what's going to happen next, what I'm going to do next. Or, but my focus is more about just like living with intention and whatever comes from that is fine. So just to give a bit of context about that. So it, even just like, for example, now starting this podcast with Ben, like there was an intention to, I mean, it was an intention to like for us to talk about our, you know, feelings, talk about our grief, but whatever comes from, from that as a, as a, as a bad product, whether that, as I said, mean all these guests or being, getting a chance to take this further to, I don't know, wherever heights it may go to, that's, oh, that's, that is never planned, but I think that's, I'm not being mad at, at the, you know, how can I put it, the, I don't see an easy way to explain it, but I guess, in short, what I'm trying to say is that like there was a, a plan to start this podcast. There was a, a purpose behind it. But I think one realized, and I think there's gonna be more that happens with it that we that we ever that we didn't even imagine. So I, I guess like with life, of course, like we we put things in place, we have things that we want to achieve, but sometimes it's always the things that we, we least expect that, that leads us to different paths, you know. So I think that's just where I mean, I don't know if that made sense or I was trying uh-huh. to I was trying to explain it in a way that's easier, but I think it's just kind of in my head it makes sense, but I can't quite provide it. But I think just in, in in short, I'm just trying to say that like with grief, there's I didn't know where it's gonna take me, you know. And one thing I'm glad is that I said I'm gonna I wanna be more than this grief, you know. And sometimes as well when we kind of wrestle with trying to get because I, I would wish I, I have my parents back and the old life back because sometimes I, I even mourn my own life in the sense where the 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 Jermaine before grief you know but now if you ask me I, I don't know if I even remember that person like this person now like although it's, it's come with a lot of pain it's come with a lot of heartache but this person I'm now is much better than the, the previous mm-hmm. person I was before and that's taken a lot of strength so it's it's uh, yeah it's it's um it's hard but mm-hmm. you know here, here we are you know yeah I, I probably showed when I was when the grief happened I went through um uh, trying to describe a word I went through an ex- an existential crisis so what I mean by that is um when you when something like that like that trauma like grief happens it it kind of um it makes you question life in a way like why did this happen to me or why did it happen in this time frame and um obviously I've, I'm learning to adapt to this new um life um life after grief and um I think when I look back in the years, six years ago, um, when obviously my mom did pass away, it, 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 it gave me a lot of perspective in life. It's changed um, the course of things that I used to do, but now I'm a different person. So in a way, I've kind of 
being born in, into a new life after grief. And um, also, I'm, I'm learning a lot from every single guest that we record on, on this podcast. It's been a real help. And it's also gave me assurance that I'm not the only one that's going through this, but other people are going through it as well. So it's given me the confidence knowing that I'm not the only one. And obviously I can learn a lot from each and different guests, you know, and the guests in the past and the, and the guests that are yet to come also. So I'll probably mm-hmm. say that, yeah, it's it's helped a lot, you know, and I Thank you. And I'll tell you something. I think every guest can learn something from the both of you. Really. I mean, I learned, I learned something from anybody who will come to me and they, you know, they, they want support, they want guidance. I learn from them as much as I hope they learn from me. And that's the way it should be. We learn from each other's stories. Um, and I think every story that we hear has a permanent impact and, I think we can learn from each other. It isn't just about you learning from me. I mean, it's about learning from each other. I tell my students, but then every student lies a teacher. And for me to think that I can't learn from you as a student, because you're a student is, is at best, is at worst arrogant and short-sighted. Because I can learn from anybody. Um, all we have to do is position ourselves in a position where we want to learn as well as we want to teach. Um, I look at myself more of an, an ongoing, as much of an ongoing learner as I am a teacher. And you also mentioned, I smiled when you said, I don't recognize the person that I was before the losses. You would need literally a search party to find out who I was <laughs> when I was 47 years old. I don't even know that person anymore. Um, I don't even know the person Sometimes the transformation is so stark. The person I was a week ago, I couldn't even begin to tell you who that person was a week ago because the transformation is so stark. And right now, I I just kind of welcome that because that means that I'm continuing to learn. I'm continuing to grow. And I guess once I stop growing and once I stop learning from those experiences from others and the world around me, then it's probably time for me to start another chapter in my life. You know, at this point, I want to keep learning for as long as the universe will allow me to. Um, and I want to keep keep doing what I'm doing. And I never thought 19 years ago, I would say that to anybody because eternity could have started as soon as tomorrow after my daughter died. And not that I was suicidal, I wasn't. It's just that if God wanted to take me, I was ready. Okay, now, I, I, I'm, I'm prepared for whenever that day is going to be, but I've, I've also told God, I said, you know, I'm getting a lot of fulfillment doing what I'm doing. And I said, I want you to, as long as I want, I hope that I can continue to do this for as long as you will will it. So I now have a renewed lease on life while still honoring the past and the pain of my, not only my loss of my daughter, but other losses that I've experienced in my life. And so that's, and if I, I never thought I would say that death would, would have that, that type of profound effect, but it has, or my challenges with death, I should say, has had, has had that profound effect. 
honestly that's that's inspirational man you're you're and i just like i said earlier when we before ben joined i, I really appreciate you coming to talk to us like and and I had, I had no doubt it would be interesting because you know for some use you, you use your strength and use your pain for great good like, you know with the book and you just having that new lease of life and becomes that person who you know yes you're living life and this you're more than just a bereaved parent I think that's important for a lot of um, grievers because more than especially I don't want to say young grievers and, you know, older grievers, but I think everyone, it's important to kind of understand that this grief does not define you. Like, yes, it's, mm-hmm. it's I'll be lying if I said it doesn't affect you. Of course it does. It does massively and every loss is different. We don't know how, how impactful it can be, but, you know, it doesn't define you. And the, the thing is, the reason why I'm saying that is because a lot of the time when we grieve, as I said earlier, it's often this kind of, people have this idea of, of grievers, you know, or, or people have this idea of, of like, if someone, um, you know, if someone kind of is grieving and they decide to maybe like deal the grief in a way that's different to, you know, the norm, quote unquote, wherever the, wherever the norm is, because everything is, is socially constructed. So people might look at that people differently and think, oh, why are they doing that? They, they, they've just lost so-and-so, but it's not up to us. Like you know, it doesn't. It doesn't define you. Can still be you. You can lose someone today, today, and still be yourself tomorrow, or still do whatever mm-hmm. you want to do tomorrow. And that's and there's no time. And 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 others, it might take them a while to get back to their, to that old self or that's or that kind of, uh, stage where they can be. You know, get back to the day to day. You know, mm-hmm. like there's, we, we shouldn't tell anyone, when that when they should get to that point, or we shouldn't judge anyone if they're not at that point. You know, so I think that that's that's important, and I'm glad you kind of explained it through your story, and you know, and honestly, it's much appreciated. I, I can't say thank you enough, but honestly, it's been it's been great having I, having you on. It's been great being out with the both, and I can't appreciate you both enough for asking me to come on. Um, when Ben messaged me on Twitter and asked me if I'd come on, I said sure. You know, I'd be I, I'm always glad to share my story i'm always glad to share what i've learned from it um in the event that it may help some help anybody who's listening um and might might you know help and maybe inspire individuals to see that they are more you know their losses certainly have impacted the type of person that they want to be but it doesn't have to be all who they are either um Mm. that we can still live a life of fulfillment while still honoring you know honoring our past with our losses um, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, if, you, if you're okay with this, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna say one last thing. And yeah, then of course, of course. There is a, um, there is a um, crow medicine in Native American culture. Um, crow is about sacred law. It's a, about overcoming fear. But one of the things is that crow is past, present, and future. And in Jamie Sam's book, Medicine Cards, he has this, this teaching about crow. It's honor the past as your teacher, honor the present as your creation, <laughs> honor, the, honor the past as your teacher, honor the uh, present as um, your creation, and honor the future as your inspiration. That's what I meant to say, um, to uh, help us define where we want to be and who we are after loss. No, I appreciate that. There's so many profound words, and you know, and 
every every conversation we have with people like I, w- I always leave it being inspired like learning something new because I'm not as I said as we said earlier like it's these conversations are just a lot more about just talking it's about just understanding grief from different perspectives it's not about you know who's grief who's got it the hardest or who's who's been through more but we're, we're all in this kind of both together in a sense where we may not we may have different griefs for experiencing but we we can kind of learn from each other and yeah. understand each other a bit more um so I, I probably want to say one thing so there was a book that i read called man man search for meaning by victor e franklin i don't know if you've heard of it david or yes basically i think this book on his experiences in um the Nazi concentration camps, obviously, in out in I think it was Auschwitz. So he talked about his experience and how um, he saw a lot of death like around him, and obviously it was a really gruesome experience. And just hearing a lot of like those stories kind of changed my perspective on on on, on life, and obviously having more um, gratitude for the things that we take for for granted. And I think hearing that experience just kind of changes your whole um, mindset on just appreciating what you have before it's um, gone. And I think with grief, I'll probably say with grief now, um, I think time makes it better, but not necessarily overcoming it but with time it heals for different people at, at different times so yeah I just want to say thanks for coming on the show David and, and sharing your wisdom you know and I hope you keep on um, um, going with the content that you that, that you put out there just to help people so yeah appreciate you coming on well, Ben and Jermaine, I appreciate you having me on. It was, I enjoyed talking with you both. Um, and thank you for giving me an opportunity to share my journey up until this point, because it'll still be ongoing. Mm-hmm. It's still, the path is still going to evolve. And yeah, I'm, ready for, I'm ready for anything that comes my way. Well, just as to just to wrap up, where can let people find you in terms of like social media or, or your website? Okay. Um, I'll start with social media. Um, uh, my son calls me the world's oldest millennial because I'm all over the place on social media. So, um, I always have to throw that, that plug in, but that he, that he, he dubbed me. Cause I, I, I if I could find a t-shirt that says the world's oldest millennial, I'd buy it. But anyway, you, you need to trademark that and, and copyright and get yeah. the merchandise. Yeah. Open your own <laughs> merchandise. There we go. Yeah, we can, well, that, that sounds like a good idea, but anyway, I, I'm on Facebook <clears throat> You can find me um, under my, my name, David Roberts. I'm on Twitter under, under uh, you know, my name, Dave Roberts. Um, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, also, we have a dedicated Facebook page to our book. It's When the Psychology Professor Met the Minister. And also an Instagram page of the same title. So people can, can follow me on Facebook. They can follow the, our, our, they can, Follow our book pages on Instagram and LinkedIn or on uh, in, in Facebook. And also they can find us at psychologyprofessorandminister.com. And, and our email address that if they wanted to reach both Patty and me 
is a psychology professor and minister at gmail.com. And if they go on the website and they do contact us, also they'll see the email as well. So um, I'm not too hard to find and Patty and I aren't too hard to find. So we welcome individuals' inquiries. We welcome uh, questions. We welcome feedback on the book for people who've read it. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're here and we're, we want to help and be as, as much support as, as humanly possible to those who, who may need us. Nice, nice. Appreciate that. And yeah, I think that just draws our convo to a close. Um, you know, for those listening and watching, we appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoyed the gems from our guests all the way from New York. Um, and yeah, appreciate you taking your time out because I know the um, you're in between uh, lectures. Well, yeah, I got a class at four o'clock and I kind of figured I knew the time frame. I know you guys, it's got to be probably about quarter to seven there now, I think. In the yeah, end, so, right? yeah. So almost seven, yeah. 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 yeah, so I knew there was about a five hour time difference. So, um, but yeah, I, I said, if we're going to do Monday between now, because I got another class at four o'clock. So this was perfect. And I appreciate yeah. your guys' flexibility you know, with the time, you know, with the time changes and everything else. Um, but heck, if you wanted to do at eight o'clock my time, I'm an early bird too. So I could have done that really early in the morning. Um, <laughs> no, no, we always accommodate you. That's, we always try to accommodate our guests, you know, because we can be quite flexible. And sometimes time difference can be a bit, you know, but we worked out in the end. So, you know, it's all, it's all good. Um, yep, and so. yeah, definitely it's been great. And for those who are listening as well, Watching, you can find us on Instagram and that's thinking out loud pod underscore. We're also on YouTube, so this will be out on the YouTube as well. Um, same thing, thinking out loud podcast, and that's a, yeah, apart from the socials. And we're on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. So leave a review, subscribe, follow us, you know, because the more the more engagement, the better. So the more people who follow us, leave a review, the more we can be out there and just keep spreading the word on on grief, you know, because that, that's our aim at the end of the day. So, appreciate that, Dave. Oh, you're welcome, Jermaine, and, and Ben, it's been a pleasure. <laughs>